Hi, this is Alyssa. And this is Alyssa. Just two late-blooming bisexuals here to talk about the mind, the body, and everything in between. This is It's, it's all, all One Thing. We're here to give you a new, nuanced, body-positive, pro-mental wellness approach to all the topics you know and love. So, I don't know, we've been going back and forth a lot, and with everything we've been talking about, it's interesting that actually, like, religious topics have been coming up. And if you just, like, meet us in person, like, religion is so not our vibe. Like, it's not something we talk about often, but just in the topics that we're bringing up so much... It just like tends to just rear its head a lot. So we wanted to kind of give you our backgrounds and talk a little bit more about where we're coming from if it does happen to come up. But because we're talking about all the topics that you know and love, when we were talking about how to talk about this, (laughs) Alyssa came up with a really interesting topic that like I really didn't even think about. So I'm excited for her to talk more about that and to then to get into our backgrounds. Yeah, Alyssa and I were just kind of like shooting the shit about all the topics that we want to bring to you. And I happen to mention the demonization of yoga pants. Like what? Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, Alyssa's response was different than what I'm used to having grown up in an evangelical Christian circle. So for some of you, this might feel uh, familiar. For some of you, you might be reacting like Alyssa and say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so I grew up in fundamental evangelical Christianity. Um, I was super into it. I didn't feel forced at the time. Um, I was like the kid that wanted to tell everyone about Jesus all the time. And mm. which like, I can't even imagine that now. Like that is, <laughs> that is so interesting to me. Like, it's funny because the first time we met, like we just talked about like coming out. Also how we approach like wellness in general. There was none of <laughs> that. It's a party trick I like to pull out at some point and surprise people. <laughs> oh yeah. For the first like 18 to 20 years of my life, I was hardcore into Christianity. Yeah, it's not my vibe now, (laughs) to be clear. But for a long time in my life, it was. And what that also meant, being someone growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, is that I was greatly impacted by purity culture. Now, my opinion also is that everyone has been impacted by purity culture, not just people who like signed abstinence pledges and had purity rings. That was me on both counts. But it is something that was a huge part of my life. Within purity culture, there's like all these things, right? And we're not going to get into everything today because it's going to be numerous episodes of us diving into various parts of this. But one thing was that, especially people socialized as girls, um, we were really told that the way we dressed was very important because we didn't want to make the boys think about sex. It was our jobs all the time. For some reason, not the boys' jobs. Yeah, because clearly it's all our fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's always the women. It's our fault. So one of those things meant that um, yoga pants were strictly forbidden. I mean, so revealing. And it just made all the boys stumble, is what we were told. Which is 
wild to me. Like I'm going to get into my background in a little bit, but the fact that I was a dancer growing up and constantly in like leotards and just like pink tights, my body was always out there. It always needed to be out there. So did that impact any of your hobbies or anything like that in general? Mm, Yeah, I so I did take um, I took dance for a little bit when I was a kid. Um, Not a very good dancer, but I did take dance. (laughs) I was able to like still wear kind of like typical things. But if there were boys around, it would always be recommended to like wear big T-shirts and, you know, like make sure to hide some of those things. But also even like at like church camp, it was always like you had to be careful about what kind of bathing suit you were wearing. And you couldn't just like wear what the fuck you wanted because it felt good and it looked fun and you liked the colors, like whatever. You always had to choose what you put on your body based on what are boys going to think about when they look at me in this. I am just struggling in general. I know it exists, but I'm just like, I. it's, this is, yeah, this is, this is really tough for me, which is why I'm so glad we're talking about it because truly this theme is going to come back like over and over again because so many of the constricting thoughts around topics in general really stem from this idea yeah. and how we were told we needed to act when we were younger. Yeah, and I even think that like even people who didn't grow up in this sort of culture can even think about like, when people are assaulted, one of the questions is, what were they wearing, right? Like, so I think like some of this idea, even if you didn't grow up in this particular sect of Christianity, it still permeates throughout our culture. And so even though some of these like very specific rules that I grew up with don't resonate, I definitely think that when you start to look at all the different ways that like a purity kind of mindset, again, especially around women and girls, you can see how that is so much a part of our pretty puritanical culture, especially in how, you know, white people try to like make the culture be. And I think that, you know, we can see how like white Christianity especially plays a role in that. Absolutely. So wait, tell me more about these yoga pants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're looking at even like current social media, like there are current Christian influencers who like still talk about if she wears yoga pants, she's not a good Christian because it's like making them like be able to see their butts and like think about their bodies sexually. Looking back at it now, it's so funny that yoga pants, because they had become a thing that we were all wearing. I mean, I'm wearing them right now. It's kind of the only thing I wear because fuck Christianity. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) They became this fad. And so then the purity culture Christians had to like jump on it because it was like, oh, no, this other way of dressing that I think often has people feeling empowered, right? Like we're able to move our bodies more and like stretch and do yoga (laughs) that feels good. But there had to be this demonization then of you're being too sexual, you're being too in your body, you're probably like being too empowered in your hobbies. Yeah, purity culture really jumped on it to say like, you're not a good Christian woman if you're wearing something so revealing, which now I'm like, yoga pants are revealing? Like what? Yeah, and it really makes me think about how controlling that is, not only about what we're wearing, but then also like the freedom that we have with our own bodies. Like then it 
takes away so much of that autonomy, which I think is my kind of problem with religion in general and why I've chosen to really step back from Catholicism because I was brought up Catholic. Yeah. Can you tell me more about your religious background? Because once you know about my religious background, I talk about it a lot, but I would love to hear more about your background. So I think mine is much different than yours. For me, it wasn't so much of a, like, I'm going to actively like choose to do this and it's going to be a huge hurdle. Mine was kind of like a slow fade out of it. And that's how a lot of things have really like gone for me in general. Like also like the way that I train my clients. There was a point in time when I first started training that it was like seeped in diet culture and I didn't even know it. These like terms and phrases, if you're going to start, you have to do it all the time and you have to do it in a certain way. And this is how you do it. And it was zero autonomy. Very rigid. Super rigid. That's such a perfect word. And I didn't realize growing up Catholic, like like how much that rigidity also followed through with like some of the ideas and mentalities that I had around my sexuality around what I choose to do around my freedom that we were talking about before and just how constrictive it was. So I'd say probably around college was the last time like I actually like went to church. It was probably like my freshman year so what would that be like 2007 so it's been a really long time and then I just didn't go back and then I realized how rigid their mentality was around sexuality in general and then I think they did a really good job of marketing towards people who were not the white catholic homogenous male that they market to I was actually having a conversation with a friend recently who's still in the catholic church um, and his views and how he's actually you know still on the left side of things so he's very much democratic he holds a lot of the same beliefs as I do but there's still this underlying kind of difference in allowing myself to really feel that freedom fully and once I started seeing how that lack of freedom really impacted everything from the conversations that I was having to like the people-pleasing mentality of always needing to bow down to someone else. When I was growing up Catholic, not to say that, you know, like Catholic religion is to blame because it's very much like a whole system. Everything just felt a little harder to do and a little harder to be myself. And that lack of autonomy, yeah, prevented me from doing all the things that I do and love today. Even like down to, you know, running my own business. Like if I stayed with the church and I know this is like a really big reach but being in such a large community which it would have probably you know felt a little bit more comfortable to like stay with a really big company who ultimately doesn't really care about me per se just like what I have to bring to them and really starting my own business allows me to turn that focus away from like how much that like I can get from other people and turns it to okay what can I bring to the people that I work with it's such a different mentality there's so much more that I could just like dive into and go deeper on but those are some of the things that I've noticed about leaving religion. And again, I know there's some positives too. Like I hear from my friends all the time. It's a really great way to meet people. And it's a really great way to be reminded that there are bigger things in the universe. And also there's more connections to be had. And while I absolutely agree with those things, and I think that it makes it easier to get those things, I think that just like the underlying big system of oppression that doesn't favor women, that doesn't favor queer people, that 
doesn't favor truly like our wants and needs is really, really hard to get behind. So that was really long-winded. Um, but I know that your experience was a lot different. So how, I know mine was like a slow kind of leaving, but how is yours different than mine? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I definitely think that we have some similarities, especially in that idea of, you know, what would it have been like if you were still within the church and thinking about starting a business and like maybe you would have still been within like a larger corporation at that time. Like, I think that makes so much sense because for me, at least in the church, there was again talking about like the demonization of things like there was the demonization of individuality and the ability to be your own person and to have that that strength in like knowing who you are, because I think at least for me, the way that church presented who I was, it's I am because of this external thing. I think that for me too, as as I've built my own businesses, it's been an effort and a practice of trusting my own intuition. And that's hard because that was talked about as bad before. Leaning into like going my own way is challenging when I wasn't given those resources of resilience, of checking in with my own self, my own autonomy. But I do think that mine also was kind of a slower burn too. There were a few different like bigger points along the way that made me really start questioning, is this the world I want to be in? And then I went to a Christian school for undergrad (laughs) and sad for my parents, but that was where it really sealed the deal. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I think that maybe that's what would have happened anyway by the time I was an undergrad. But yeah, I felt like there were already enough things that made me think, I don't think this is how I want to be in the world. It was too rigid, too toxic positivity also. Like, I know we get that a lot in just like our general culture, but you know, this idea that like, there's always a reason for everything and it's always an external reason too. It's not our own strength, our own ability. We are bad, but this external thing makes us good because it says so. Yeah, I think throughout undergrad, I kept going back and forth. um, And then by the time I was in grad school, I knew 100% that the church was not for me, but it was very lonely. Right now, there's such a good support system out there on Instagram and on TikTok for people who have also deconstructed their religion, but I didn't have that when I was doing it and it felt really lonely and I have had many years of realizing, oh, I don't really know what it feels like to be in touch with my own autonomy. That wasn't a thing that I really was able to embody in my life, in my formative years, as a full-grown adult trying to really get in touch with who I am and listening to what it is I want, what feels good to me, has been quite a ride. <laughs> How has religion itself impacted you? Why do you feel like there's such unemptiness of that? I think that for me, one of the biggest things, especially in the last few years that I've realized is I think religion, at least in a lot of the ways that, that I've experienced it, 
keeps us out of our bodies. So it kind of intellectualizes everything. There's this inability to connect from the neck down. Also, even to the point of being told the messages your body tells you are bad. They are sinful. Shifting now to the work that both you and I do, in <laughs> that being the opposite approach, is hard because I know that there's still some of that lurking in my body, some of that rigidity, some of that idea. The things my body wants and needs are sinful. I still have to make sure to take notice of those so that I can challenge them so I can remember where they come from and that they don't come from me and that it's okay that they're there. I can have compassion for them and then also shift to learning how to trust those little messages and know that it's okay to go slow. And I think things like the strength training that you do is such a helpful way to access that because getting in touch with your body and your body's messages can feel really elusive. And it still can feel like that in strength training, I think. But the way that you help people access that in a really like tangible way, I think is so helpful to like figure out how to get in our bodies in a way that feels literally very strong. Strong. Truly, like it is all connected. It's all one thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is which is so cool that that's why we're here. Just to like take a comedic beat. Cause like <laughs> that last however many minutes I was, that was that's a lot to get through. And I really do have so many thoughts and ideas that I want to come back to that you just said. But yeah, to, to talk about movement for a second, it is really hard when it's so ingrained in your body to not listen and to do the things that everyone else told you to do. And then all of a sudden you have a coach sitting in front of you being like, yeah, but how does it feel? You're like, oh, fuck how it feels, dude. I've been told what to do all my life. Just like, tell me what to do so I can follow the fucking rules. Uh, no, that's not how this is going to work. Sometimes that can, that can be a really big hurdle. But I think that's where most of the transformation really comes from. It's not like, how much do I weigh now? Or like anything diet related, I really could care less about, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you already have a good idea. <laughs> just based on like everything that Alyssa and I have been saying for the last, you know, few episodes. So it's not about the weight, but it's really about that transformation of learning how to trust yourself and learning what things feel like. So that way you can make the decision to know what you need and what your body needs for the rest of your life. So a lot of times that comes down to knowing what things feel like and allowing emotion to come up when you lift too. I was in class with my group the other day and someone was just having a really tough day at work and they came to class and then all that emotion bubbled up and it just made me realize like how different allowing that emotion to come through and just like holding space for that in what's usually a very rigid setup of, okay, we're going to strength train and we're going to do this and that's it. And we're just going to shut up and lift. And it's moving in the complete opposite direction of you had a hard day. I'm so glad you showed up. I'm so glad you're lifting. If you can only get through three reps, great. That is incredible. Your form was perfect. Do as much as you can, feel it out and then go from there. But I think that if I still stayed in that rigid mindset that I had growing up of just religion in general, I don't know if I'd be able to get there. And that's the most interesting connection ever. How that one thing that happened like so long ago 
and that mindset that used to be so ingrained now it took both of us such a long long time to get there how has religion shown up in your therapy and how you work with clients and is it harder to work with clients who are still steeped in religion or do you take on religious clients at all yeah, I think I haven't, not because that's my rule, but just because I don't think they find me. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite things as a business owner to remind myself, we can't be for everyone. I'm not for everyone. That to say, I would definitely be there to support whoever feels like it's a right fit. Um, but yeah, I don't think that religious people are finding me very much. I say fuck way too much in session for that. <laughs> oh my God, you can't swear. I am I am so far removed from this. You, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell my parents about this podcast, but I, I feel like maybe I should also warn them because it's going to be fuck city around here. So... <laughs> Anyway, back to your question, though. Yeah, I think that one of the things that's been helpful for me as I've exited religion and like a more rigid approach to things is that it's allowed me to think through the rigidity that is still found in the mental health field. It's certainly not religious, but that, I think that's the thing is because there's so much of the rigid religion stuff permeating our world and especially the white American deal. There's so much of this binary boxes, like all of that permeating everything, even if you're not actually doing religion for yourself. And so I think that I also see that rigidity in a lot of how the mental health field is, how therapy is sometimes done. We may talk about this in future episodes as well, but I don't diagnose. I don't really like to use one modality and one approach because we're limiting the way that we can support people if we're so rigid in how we show up for people. And also even just the way I show up in session, I think if I was still steeped in that culture, it's possible that I would still be like physically rigid in my sessions. Um, you know, I know with therapists, it's tough because we're taught in grad school, like boundaries, 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 right? And boundaries are very important. Obviously, they still need to be present for it to be a, a supportive environment. But I think there's a lot more flexibility in there than what therapists often think there is. So like, I know in grad school, you know, it's always like, you can't share anything about yourself ever. <laughs> be a blank slate, be <laughs> no one in the room. And the reality is, I am a person as your therapist, and I'm showing up in the room. And it's my job to have healthy boundaries and not be inappropriate about disclosure. But also, I'm not this blank slate or an authority or, you know, like someone above you. I am with you. I'm partnering with you in this journey. I'm no longer as rigid about sharing little bits about myself if someone asks, you know, if that feels helpful to them. So yeah, I think things like that, like allowing me to conceptualize the work a little bit differently, you know, now that that I can see where the like rigidity comes from. I think it's it's like a a starting point to kind of like shift away from some of that. Yeah. And I think if I listened to this podcast, like when I was in college, I would be really not resonating with it whatsoever because this journey really required life experience in order to get there. So if this is, you know, going over some heads like that, that completely makes sense yeah. because it's all about where you are 
and your journey. Just like with me, with training, some clients come to me and they're like, no, like I only want super structured. Tell me what to eat exactly. Tell me exactly what to do. Like I don't want to listen to my body. And like, unfortunately, because that's not the kind of transformation that I'm interested in or I feel like, could I provide it? Absolutely, because I have like a very technical training background. But that's not the kind of things that I really want to offer. So some potential coaching clients I've had approach me saying like their their primary goal is weight loss. And so I've been very clear that's I'm I'm not going to be working with you on that. Here are the things that I can work with you on. But if it's if weight loss is the goal, I don't work with that. And, you know, and that just means Again, like we're not for everyone, right? There's always going to be someone for everyone. And if it's not us, that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And I wrote a little ditty on Instagram um, that turned into like actually a little love note towards my current clients and also future clients. And I wrote, we're doing more than lifting around here. We're also regulating your nervous system, slowly eradicating the voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, building up your knowledge base so you know how to take care of your body, Lifting just enough to match your needs with plenty of time to enjoy the rest of your life. Feeling into your lifts both physically and emotionally. Learning more about yourself every step of the way. And of course, getting incredibly strong and resilient. Love and that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, it, it took me like five seconds to write because it was something that I noticed that was coming up over and over and over again. And even through this conversation, I think it's so cool how I bring so much of that mindset, even though I work so much with the body. And I feel like throughout this conversation, you've talked so much about the body, <laughs> even though you work so much with the mind. So it's, it's like, well, it's all one thing. It's all Alyssa. one thing, of course. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I do like trying to say it at the same time. It's like, it's a really magical bliss when we do that. It makes, I don't know, finding autonomy and finding freedom so great, but also like it's hard. Mm. And when we, Alyssa, when we were talking about your religious experience initially, like when we were planning for past episodes, you were talking about how there was a hole that wasn't there and that like really resonated with me and I think it could resonate with everyone else. Can you talk to us about that a little bit more? Because I never really felt that like hole. Yeah, for anyone else who is also really anywhere on the deconstruction path, um, this may resonate too. But yeah, I mean, growing up, the only real source of resilience, hope, belief in like life being worth it was God, was Jesus. That was that was it. And the thing is, it worked, you know, and I think this is, I think I expressed this too. I understand the pull of it. Even now being out of it, I understand the pull toward what some of these religions can offer you. The world is burning, like, you know, it's hard, it's hard. But once I left religion, I realized that there was like this lack in my body and, and really like I could feel it in my body. Like I, it was certainly an emotional hole, but again, because it's all one thing, it was just this full-bodied realization that I had nothing to fill that void anymore because the religious space, the community, and certainly the beliefs I had are what completed me. And so I went into my adulthood feeling like an incomplete human. So then the task was, how do I feel 
fulfilled, feel like there is still hope, like there's still a reason in some capacity, not like a, you know, toxic positivity reason, but just like what gets me out of bed? What makes the challenges worth it? I had to just come up with those on my own. You know, it's unfortunate because I know that people still in the church that I grew up in would say that that's just the indication that it's because I'm without God. Like that's how I'm supposed to feel now, right? Because I don't have that anymore. So it's just an indication that I should go back. But for me, I think it is it is simply a validation that as a child, I was not given any way to build up my own self. Um, and so now I'm figuring it out after my brain has kind of formed around the idea that the answer will always be external for me. So that's still an ongoing journey. I mean, that's the thing about, like I know you said earlier about it's the life experience of it. It's always ongoing. We're we're still figuring it out because it still shows up in different ways. And yeah, I know for me, like figuring out what fulfills me and it's really, really hard for that to be like an internally based thing. I still notice like what external thing can I give myself to make myself feel better, to feel whole? That's still a work in progress. And to bring that back to just those training goals in general, when you have that really big weight loss goal, that's usually associated with external validation. Like you want the people in your life most likely who are subconsciously like the men in your life who make you feel a certain way. So you want to get to look a certain way. Like that is very much that like external validation. And to your point, figuring out how to fill that hole is learning how to turn that back on yourself and use that internal validation, which I think is the hardest thing in the whole wide world. Because so many of us conditioned as women, we're told that like our needs are not important and who we are is not important. And we should cater all of our needs to not ourself. Yes. <laughs> right. So then when all of a sudden you have like a therapist being like, Yes, but we need to figure out how to turn that around. That's, I think, the incredible deep work that you really offer and the hard work. And it makes sense why a lot of people don't want to do that work because it's so much easier to be like, nope, I was conditioned this way. This is what feels good. This is what I know. This is what I want to do. And that's it. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly what it is with lifting too, right? Even though that more rigid diet culture focused approach, you know, actually is more harmful in the long run. It like can feel easier in your brain, right? When you're like in that rigid mindset, I understand this. This makes sense to me. This is the thing I've been given. So this is how you do it. You bringing in this different kind of approach is so much more supportive of people's long-term goals. But when it's different or new, it can feel scary. That is so much of the hard work is like being willing to not only step outside those boxes, but then go on this unknown terrain. And so much of that, again, is like trusting your body and your intuition that you'll figure out the next right step. And that's why like, I know you and I have talked about the roles that we have in people's lives and this idea of wanting to support them on their own processes. And it's such a beautiful 
balance that we get to have with people of supporting them and building their own autonomy. They're figuring it out for themselves and we get to walk alongside them on that journey. And it's just like such a nice balance and such a different approach than the like authority figure God <laughs> and and like lowly person, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I want to give like a little bit of a real life scenario because it literally just happened yesterday and I'm really excited about it. Um, So I have a group class that I have and yesterday we were in class and one of the girls, everything's on Zoom, one of the girls popped in and she was like, is it okay if I do my lift this way? Every single time I always say yes, because exactly what you pointed out, my only goal is to walk alongside of you. So do I create your program? Absolutely. Do I create community so you feel comfortable showing up? Absolutely. Do I like, you know, give you helpful tips here and there to make sure form is great and your body feels good? Yes, all of those things. But if you're asking the question of if you can do something a different way, there is a reason why you're asking. Maybe your body just doesn't feel ready to go up and wait yet. Or, you know, it just would feel better to do it differently on your body. And so one of the girls asked the question. I said, yes, of course, do it however you want. And then one of the other girls popped in and she was like, it is so funny to hear you ask because I don't even ask anymore. Like I heard you <laughs> ask that question and I thought immediately like, why is she asking that question? Of course she can do that. And that is really where the transformation lies, is learning how to trust your body and create that autonomy so you know what to do and how to take care of your body. That's what I care about. And hearing her reflect that back to me was just almost brought me to tears because I was like, wow, like this is this is where it is. Fuck your fucking weight loss goal, dude. Like, how good is that going to fucking feel? Like, maybe it'll feel good for a second, but it'll always come back and you'll always want more and more and more and more and more and more. But really determining, like figuring out, OK, this is how I feel. This is how my body feels. And living in that freedom. Oh, oh, oh different <laughs> oh that is such a beautiful story and also I think you touching on the community aspect too is really important because with this like shift into individual autonomy and valuing your own individuality and being able to listen to that I think it's so great like you have created a different kind of community right like church is community but it doesn't support those kinds of things at least in my experience. And so the community that you've created, you're offering this education and this support. And then you also have built this community where other people in the community are like, oh, I'm a little bit, you know, further along in the program or whatever. And I can let you know, like, yeah, I don't even ask her anymore because this is this is what we're all doing, you know? And so you are teaching and also everyone is teaching each other too. And I think that's, the balance with shifting away from this very homogenous church culture into honing in on who we are and what our bodies are telling us and listening to that. And then also remembering that that doesn't mean that we have to go it alone. There's this like interdependence that we can build with each other that allows our own needs and wants to be validated and met. And that we don't feel like we're all suddenly just islands 
with no care or support, you know? And so I think that that's been a struggle shifting away from religion. But I think things like therapy and strength training and coaching, all of those things can help build like a different, more balanced way of living in the collective and each individual person and their own needs and wants are all still important, you know? Yeah, that's such a great point because... I feel like it was so much harder to find that community once I left the church because like church does make community so much easier. There's absolutely no denying that people will be there for you. And I think leaving and I think you and I, even though our experiences were very different, it is that fear of loneliness and that fear that I have even right now creating groups of people around me. I don't know why, but over the last few weeks, religion has been coming up over and over and over again. And it just makes me feel like, holy shit, are there people like me who have left and also have come out and also who like want to dig deeper? And I know that's true. And I think that's really the essence of why we're sitting here making this thing right now is because there is community in ways to do things differently in a body positive approach in a anti-religious approach in a outside the box approach that can feel really 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 scary to do alone yeah and like Alyssa said it's interesting how much in our conversations it's been like should we circle back to religion <laughs> We're like not even trying to talk about it. We're trying to talk about other topics to bring to you. And it's just, let's circle back. But I think that that is partly because it is, it's like, there's not a resurgence in our lives right now. But I think you mentioning like how many people you've talked to recently about religion and thinking about community in the ways that you're trying to build it. And things can still feel lonely, even when you're this far along in the process, because you know, you can think that you're moved through in a certain way and then just like random shit pops up and you're like, oh my God, that comes from religion. Shit. You're not even expecting it. And I think that can feel really jarring. And again, that speaks to your point of where are my people who have also experienced this? And I think too, because you and I came out later, I think that that's also been a really common theme that I've been seeing too of people who were in religion and now aren't and have come out. And so there's actually, I think, a lot of late blooming queers who are like, <laughs> all like, I'm finally out. Because like, here's the thing, y'all. I mean, I came out later, but if I had been able to be honest with myself as a young, young baby, I mean, I would have known I was bisexual like a long, long time ago. But religion was like, that doesn't exist. Don't do that. So I was like, oh, okay. These thoughts and feelings I have are just nothing. Which again is like another example of being cut off from yourself, right? It's like you're you're just all these like segmented pieces. And I think some of the work that we do as we come out of that is like putting all of our pieces back together and being able to see ourselves as our full whole selves again. Yeah, that's such a good point. I would have never, ever come out as bisexual because there was just like no support to do that and actually there was anti-support that game on the playground that was like smear the queer well what okay now i get to ask about something what are you talking about <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. There was literally a game. It was called Smear the Queer. And the teachers were just like, oh, yeah, go play your little game, you know? And it was so, yeah, so. You can't see it, but I'm making a face. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. Oh. But see, right, this is the thing, like, (laughs) this idea of drag queen story time indoctrinating kids. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Kids are being indoctrinated, but not in the ways that you think. That's fucking church. Even me, like, I see, I have that fear. I have that fear ingrained that, like, if I say something that someone else doesn't like, my community will explode. Like, I am so... That's such a big fear. And even though everything in my life is pushing me towards that direction, that's how much power this is scary. Yeah, well, because it's literally life and death right now. And even just, you know, the ability to live life fully, it's the powers that be are like not letting that happen. And you're right, like the louder things get, the more the church is going to want to, because right, control, power, money, all of those things, That's the thing, like the church and how it's functioning, at least in America, is a business and they want to be the most successful business. And so that means no one else can experience joy in any other way. Right. And so, like, (laughs) of course, it's threatening seeing all these queer people experience joy fully in themselves. And the church is like, "Ooh, that's not good because we're like they're not going to need to like find joy in Jesus now. Yep. Yeah, and that all goes back to that that power and that that hold. And I mean, we can circle back again, you know? <laughs> Let's circle back to diet culture. Like that has some serious hold. Like that is a huge huge business. Yeah. Just like talking about weight loss and how much billions and billions of dollars. I wish I had the stats for like exactly how much diet culture really brings in but it is so much preying on people's insecurities and like I am just so glad that we work towards building up people exactly how they are right now not people's insecurities because I could I could not live myself anymore as a coach like I just I could not yeah it's so gross and also like (laughs) it is amazing how many people I have heard talk about the like weight loss programs that their church hosted stop (laughs) wait what oh my god we don't even have to circle back (laughs) they are in the same pew (laughs) oh man that was guys can we take a moment to be so thankful for that joke That was like pristine. I don't remember this happening in my church, but I have seen enough stories from other folks who grew up in churches very similar to mine. I'm fairly certain that it was only geared toward people socialized as women and girls. And it was, you know, again, this facade of community, right? Let's like do it together, ladies. But yeah, like this like, you know, 12 week diet, weight loss, whatever the fuck program, which makes so much fucking sense. It makes so much sense that a church would have that because they're on the same fucking pew. Like both of these things, diet culture and religion, are ways to keep people inside the lines, to keep them small, to keep them dependent, undernourished. All of these things focus so much on this stupid arbitrary number that you don't have time to focus on other things. It just makes me so sad because 
it makes so much sense. And also, like, I know that wasn't always the original intention of, like, religious community building, right? At some point. I have to think that the intentions were good at some point. They don't seem to be good now, and that's what matters. How many ways can we try to keep people in these tiny, tiny boxes? Yeah, and I want to talk about, because you just touched on it a little bit, the, the, like, the positives. I know we talked a little bit about the positives, but... Like, are there any positives still to like going to church, I guess? And then do those positives impact your ability to work towards internalized success and not constantly rely on like the external? Like, can there be both? One of the problems I have with how I see religion and and especially Christianity, that's that's where I come from. So that's what I can speak to. The way I see it happening, I'm having a harder and harder time seeing how to do it without also creating harm. And I think that's the struggle I'm having. However, I do know some folks personally who are still, like they identify as religious in some capacity, they attend a church. They do seem to be a part of communities that are actually more supportive of communities of um like social issues, you know, being good to people and not being harmful. I do think that when there's more of a social justice focus within a church body, I do think that there is at least more room for there to still be encouragement for people to like be in touch with their bodies and be in touch with their own needs and like not buy into the idea that their body's feelings are sinful, right? So I do think that there are some ways that that can happen. I think you're speaking to like the power and control and money part though is one of the more important pieces here because the ones that are more in control that have most of the money aren't doing it that way, right? Like it is actively causing harm. I do want to validate the religious bodies that are attempting to do it differently. And also it's it's still a systemic problem, right? Like there's generalized oppression coming from the church right now, at least in my opinion. I do think that when harm isn't involved, I do think that there can be, I mean, we touched on community. Um, I think that, you know, it can be an opportunity to actually have more organization in helping the community needs, um, like the, the outside of the church community. So like, it's easier to you know, participate in activism with a group, right? And so if your church is a part of that, that could be like a jumping off point. Um, Not every church is into activism. So that would be, you know, that's not for, for every church. But again, I mean, I think like back to what I said earlier about how it was for me. Yeah, I think there can be benefits of it helping you get through the day and get through challenges. And it certainly gave me more hope than I often have now. But I also know that I feel more honest with myself now. And being more honest with myself means being more in touch with my depression, with my anxiety, with the general state of the world. And I think ultimately I want to be more embodied in what I feel is true for me than try to fake it just to try to feel better for a minute. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask that question because like I definitely have not found success with managing both, but I didn't necessarily know that I needed to leave it in order to find that success. So it definitely felt like I was jumping off a cliff and 
just like I don't hold the same rigidity towards like you if you have other goals like you are absolutely allowed to have weight loss goals will that be the main focus of me working on it with you absolutely not but you're 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 a thousand percent allowed to have them because that's so much involved in that autonomy just like with like religion like have I found personally that like I can live with it like no like I don't think that like my freedom would be what it is right now uh, despite how challenging it is but if that's what allows you to feel like you're still growing and learning and like moving forward with your life and heading a direction that that feels good for you right now that's great yeah I I think that's really it you know we can speak to our personal experiences and what is working best for us it does affect what our larger perspective is right like that's that's just true for everyone but I think because you and I have both experienced deep harm from the church that means that we probably won't be able to find that balance like with both right like where we are at now is where we will continue to head because that's truest and most supportive for us other people maybe haven't felt as harmed by the church and that's okay you know we're we're just here to speak to our experiences we also probably haven't even like dived into most of what has gone on for us within religion over the years i think it comes down to harm and you know what is what has harmed us and and what is harming us now and trying to not engage with that and so for me at least that's that's why it doesn't make sense for me to be involved in church anymore yeah exactly same yeah i know i mentioned before that like i wouldn't be able to have the same freedoms and just like personal expression that i do now if i was still there and also leaving that has made me realize how many other things that are oppressive outside of diet culture too i do think that the church has impacted a lot of those persisting but once you look at this one oppressive system that you were under and are now actively working to get out of it does allow you to see some of the more the other oppressive systems that are part of the church but also like part of all of us right so yeah it does kind of like take like take the uh the the blindfold off a little bit i think to be able to really look at what's been going on all along right this isn't new like i think it does allow you to to look at things from from a different lens and you know allowing myself to be more honest with myself about how i've been intellectualizing things so that it can feel more comfortable um for me as a white woman and so even being like oh like that's that's the church like encouraging me to do that and so how can i get deeper into my body to really look at my own like the racism that lives within me, the white supremacy that lives within me, even the patriarchy that lives within me, right? Like, how am I keeping myself small? Um, so yeah, I think once you like knock down one of these things, you can kind of see like, oh man, I have a lot more things to, to knock down. Yeah, which goes back to it being overwhelming. Like it's just a lot to like come back to yourself. And like, we just touch like just that tip of the iceberg <laughs> yeah. of okay like what is your body feeling that's why this question is so scary because it's not just us asking you to like stop and listen it's pushing up against like everything that you've ever been told about who you are and how you are and how you should function in the 
world and that is a that is a huge <laughs> yes a huge hurdle that I did not like realize when I like changed my approach from weight loss to body positive like I had no idea that's what I was pushing up against like no idea whatsoever yeah because they don't want you to know <laughs> oh right oh yeah whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah I man you speaking to like that question of what is your body feeling? Like actually feeling so scary, I think is so important because, and I, you know, I think I'm guilty of this as well um, in my work. And I, I have to catch myself because I think that sometimes I can speak about it like it's this easy thing, right? You just listen to your body, right? What's your body saying? <laughs> like it's this thing that you, all you have to do is ask the question and it answers, but it's not at all simple. And like you said, you're pushing up against so many deeply ingrained things that make that question feel so scary and just like any skill if it's not a skill that feels comfy or familiar it's going to take time to build and that's okay so if you know when we're talking about like listening to your body's messages if you're like what the fuck that's fine that's fine if that's where you're at because it's not this thing that necessarily will come naturally at first yeah and that's exactly why I have an extension program on to my group program because like the original course is three months and like that's enough to just start this train in motion understand that you can have those internalized goals and not necessarily like all weight loss but it takes time to really dig in and to listen and to figure out how to do that and then to practice how to do it on top of it yeah that's why I've never been a fan of like short-term therapy. Now that could work for some folks, right? Like depending on what you're working on, but I typically work with like longer term clients because yeah, it like these things aren't things that just like get resolved in two to three weeks, right? Like it, it can take time. It doesn't mean that you're like lacking something that you have to figure out how to um, like how to be be shown the way how to get, right? It's you listening to your own autonomy but it, it does mean that it's a skill that takes time to to really practice and work on well I think that we uh worked on that for a little bit longer than we anticipated <laughs> <laughs> guys we were like these episodes are going to be pretty short and today we were like yeah let's just let's just touch base on a few things on this topic <laughs> Just a light talk. We were supposed to talk about yoga pants, which like, I feel like we touched on a little bit, but like, where did we go? We circled back so many times. We're now in a cyclone. We're just like, we're just going around and around and around and around and around and around, around. I like it because it's like the listeners have like an inside scoop on what our coffee dates look like. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like literally like this is exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly what they talk what we talk about that that's so true this is beautiful um if you made it here we appreciate you so much thank you for listening to this entire episode if you want more of this like probably not like as deep because as you know like instagram you just like cannot touch all these topics um but if you want to know more about us or follow along feel free our handles are below we are so thankful that you are here and we are really looking forward to talking with you next week bye, bye.